Oh, hi. Oh, listen. Um, I wasn't here last week. Can we... Can we talk about that? Uh, it's like, I was here for a greater amount of 180 episodes, and all of a sudden, I left. And I, I realized it was very abrupt, and I really wanted to talk with uh, Greg and Mike about everything we talked about last week. Like, Saved by the Bell, the college years. I was looking forward to that. But I just want to let you know that I'm here now, and so is Greg and Mike, and we're going to have a good time. But I just want you to know, I never forgot you. Ever. So, thanks for listening. You look, you're looking really great. Whatever it is you got going on, keep it up. You're making me tear up. Hey guys, what's going on in this room? <laughs> He's making oh. me cry. I'm getting emotional. Oh, lighten up, you babies. <laughs> this is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 197, Submission 1888, Jeopardy Ties. Well, guys, this is an unusual entry because we were trying to find something for the season premiere of Jeopardy last year, and we thought that this would be a perfect topic to discuss because it's very obscure. I mean, how many times in the history of Jeopardy do you ever have a tie? More than you think. There are games of Jeopardy that end in ties, and uh, I want to say it's like the most common Jeopardy oddity is a game that ends in a tie. And the second most is a game that ends with no winner. And the third most the rarest thing to happen is a game that ends in one versus the house. Hi, Kristen Sosville. How are you doing? Is she the only person to ever play the house? No, there was one other, but I do not remember who it was. Okay, so actually it would be as rare as uh, nobody winning, because I think nobody winning has only happened twice. Yeah, but and I did the research this morning. Triple zeros happened three times. Three? I thought it was only Yeah, there was two in regular play, and then there was one in the seniors tournament way back when. Oh, well, that's... I forgot about that. Not regulation play necessarily, but yeah, that that makes sense. Hey, guys, you know what's even more rare than a three-way zero-zero-zero tie? What's that? Wolf Blitzer posting a positive score in Celebrity Jeopardy. (laughs) (laughs) Shots fired. Oh, jeez. Oh, I felt that burn. But, yeah, Jeopardy ties. Before 2014, these were a semi-quasi-regular occurrence? That somebody... Yeah, it happened every now and then. Oh, yeah. Happened every now and then, and we all got to watch uh, returning co-champions, and we got to hear the next day... Uh, Johnny Gilbert in his dulcet tone saying, and are returning co-champions. Well, that was always fun, the returning co-champions. It was always a hoot when that happened, but the thing of it is, I guess they wanted to ramp up the competition, or uh, they couldn't afford to keep flying an extra player out just to hold them over to next week's show. Oh, yeah. They did not want to do that, probably, Sony. They wanted to save money. So in 2014, and I have the uh, official company logline here, a rule was put in place that there can only be one winner. 
A tie at the end of Final Jeopardy sends the game into a tiebreaker clue. There are two or three players tied for first place after each contestant unveils their Final Jeopardy response. Alex will present one more category and read the clue. The clue has no dollar value and does not increase the player's winnings. The first contestant to buzz in and respond correctly is declared the winner. Should all participating contestants fail to provide a correct response, this process is repeated until one contestant responds correctly. This most recent of this rare tie scenario happened in 2014 at the teen tournament. And that was in 2014, seven years ago. And since then, we had three tiebreakers. Three tiebreakers. Three tiebreakers. But uh, that wasn't always the way it was. Like we said, returning co-champions. Or perhaps even worse than returning co-champions. Well, actually, there's nothing better than returning co-champions. But the worst thing that could possibly happen, the triple zero. That's right. Triple zero means nobody comes back. It's like, you all go home, nobody wins. So you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Thanks, Willie. Yeah. This has happened three times, twice in regular play, once in a tournament setting. The first time it happened was in 1984 on episode two. Two! The second episode! The second episode! Do you want me to play the clip from episode two? Play the clip, Greg! Alright, here we go. Welcome back, folks. This is it, final Jeopardy for the championship. The wagers have been made in secret. Players, in a moment I'm going to give you the final Jeopardy answer. You'll have 30 seconds in which to write down the question. Be sure it is in the form of a question. Here we go. The category is the calendar. The final Jeopardy answer is... Calendar date with which the 20th century began. Good luck. Okay, guys, what do you think? This is going to be so easy, right? Yeah. I wish I had a draw pad with me so I could just give you the answer. I, I, I think, honestly, now that, like, all of us, and when I say all of us, I don't mean just the people here, but anybody who was let's say even in like elementary school uh, at the start of the 21st century we realized the the centuries don't begin on a year that ends in zero zero it it, yeah. it starts on zero one because the 21st century didn't begin until 2001 yeah mm-hmm. this is exactly my point it actually begins in 01, just like that there are actually 45 people who have been the United States president. A uh, small rule of thumb for that, there was no 0 AD. Yeah. That's the reason, yeah, you know, first century was started 1 AD and gone 100 years. So 101 would have been the start of the second century and so on and so forth. So yeah, we, we know. We're... Uh, we lived through two centuries or part of two centuries hey, for heaven's sake. Hey, Doc Brown, I know you wanted to witness the birth of Christ on December 25th in the year zero, but the joke's on you. It didn't take place in the year zero, and he wasn't born on December 25th. So check me, Doc. Good day. Okay. I needed spoiler space for that. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't give you spoilers for a 36-year-old movie. For a throwaway joke. Okay, but let's see what happens here. <laughs> yes. Uh, Damn you, Greg! Is oh, I'm sorry. Paul Schaefer, you were in... Third Paul Schaefer? Not that Paul Schaefer, Greg. The was the date with which the 20th century sorry. began. And you said the final Jeopardy question was, what was January 1, 1900? That is incorrect, I'm sorry to say. Let's see how much money you risked on that. Yeah, I'll surprise me too in 1984. With zero. Next, we had Lynn Crawford with 5,000. Your answer was, or your question was, what is January 1st, 1900? How much did you risk on that incorrect question? All of it. You wind up with nothing. Listen our to the audience gasping. I, I know <gasps> our champion played this. He started off with 9,500. Let's find out, first of all, what he thought. Like, he's so not so happy. Next thing was. you know. What is Sadness. January 1, 1900? We know now that is wrong, but how much did he risk? Did he go for the whole bundle? Oh. 
situation like this. <laughs> hey, folks. Easy come, easy go. Because all of our contestants wound up with nothing, we have consolation prizes for each of them. Tomorrow on Jeopardy, we'll be bringing back, we'll be bringing in three new players to play the game. But our champion, remember, Greg is not leaving us empty-handed. He won $8,400 in cash on our last program. So until next time on Jeopardy, what is the answer? The answer? 1901. You mean, what is the question? The question is January 1, 1901. Oh. Until next time, folks. So long. See you next time on Jeopardy. <sighs> yeah, so that happened. That happened. Okay, the only real excuse I can give for the guy maybe Jeopardy wagering strategies weren't totally fleshed out by the second episode? Yeah, because remember, remember, this is a whole new format. Brand new format. Nobody had, like, old tapes of the Fleming Jeopardy. Nobody had time to study them. This was just a trivia show based on a really old format. But also, I mean, he had... 9,500 versus second place is 5,000. He only needed about 501. Yeah. So, so I mean, that, that's the only legitimate reason I can give him for betting the whole thing is, hey, th- this is the second episode of a new version. I-, I didn't totally think it out. And, well, I didn't come back for my third day. Nope. He pulled a Cliff Clavin six years early. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Cliff, good news for you. Both of your opponents came up with incorrect responses, and what that means is that even if you're wrong, as long as you didn't do anything foolish like wager everything, you're a cinch winner. Well, then we, uh, we don't have to see my answer, do we there, Alex? Listen, we see if the tournament champion. We're running out of time, and we are going to have to take a look at your response. You wrote down... Who are three people who have never been in my kitchen? No, I'm sorry, that too is wrong. The correct response is, what were the real names of Cary Grant, Tony Curtis, and Joan Crawford? Be that as it may, Alex, those people have never been in my kitchen. Well, I'm sure they haven't, but obviously that's not what we were going for when we wrote up that clue. Obvious to who? Well, it's all right, you don't have to worry. Unless you risk more than $21,600, you will be the new Jeopardy! champion. So let's take a look and see what your wager was. You bet 22,000 big ones takes you down to zero. You bet it all. Cliff, why would you do something like that? Because I knew that those people had never been in my kitchen. I love how Cliff even put big ones. (laughs) No, if I thought about that, I probably would have said such and such big ones. Like, I would still uh, just be going for the Malcolm jackpot. <laughs> oh, boy. Inside jokes are the best jokes. Refer back to episode 48. Oh, man, that was 150 episodes? Well, 149. Almost. 149, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay, Mike. It's okay. Wow. Hard to believe Malcolm was so long ago. Uh, I so wish I had my Malcolm poster with me. Hey, you, you mentioned the magic words. We're going to play eBay prices right. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, 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 no. Uh, okay. Okay, so there was this. This was the first, technically the first ever tie. That would not be the first time that the game ended in a triple zero tie. Because if you remember back in the day, there was a little something called the Seniors Tournament, which basically played out like a regular Jeopardy tournament event. But for the uh, for the uh, elder states people of the trivia world, I want to say. Yes. But in 1991, we had a quarterfinal end in a triple zero tie and rules state that in tournament play in a quarterfinal if it ends in a triple zero tie nobody advances and we add on a wild card okay 
Right, that, that's a rarely used rule. It is a rarely used rule. If I have a clue, you want to see it. Yeah, or, this is probably the only time they ever used that rule, an extra wild card. Editor's note, nope! Oh god, I'm looking at the scores prior to Final Jeopardy, and I can tell you right now, somebody made a really big error in judgment. So, uh, two of the players, Florence and Pat, were tied at 5,900. While the middle player, Dow, had 2,100. Oh, yeah, I see what this person should have done. Should have bet zero. Yes, should have bet zero. Go for a wild card. The final Jeopardy category is state capitals, and the clue is one of two state capitals that formerly served as capital of the U.S. Okay, I think I've got one. He says with trepidation. Um, I, I think I have one as well. Yeah, I have one. I, I got that one. And Dow bet everything and wrote squibbles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's technically incorrect. Yeah, no. te- I can't read it, so technically we got to count it as wrong. Pat and Florence bet the wad. Pat wrote Richmond, which is not right. And Florence wrote Philadelphia, which is not even a capital. Well, Richmond was at least the Confederate capital, but not not of the United States. Right. Yeah. So good idea, but you still lost. Yep, and Alex makes a note. We have no winner today, and that means we will have five wildcard spots to select from at the end of the week. So, uh, yeah. Well, that's really nice. Now you have a 9 out of 12 chance of making it to the next round. Basically. Makes you wonder what would happen if you had two of those happen in the same tournament. Maybe just all nine players who survived would go on. Interesting hypothetical. If a triple zero happened twice. In the same tournament week, yeah. I'm sure just the nine people who survived would win, which or would qualify, which would be very, very, very unusual. Yeah, but I'll tell you something. Uh, the game has gotten so nuanced that the chances of that happening are uh, slim to none, and slim just bought their ticket to the bus. Right, right. To the oh, Chuck Cunningham hey, bus. Oh, hey, um, so the correct responses. Oh, right. Uh, that would be Annapolis and Trenton. Oh, Trenton. I I would not have gotten either of them. I would have said Albany. Uh, Yeah, Trenton. uh, Gateway to Six Flags Grand Adventure. Ah. So that was the the second triple zero. Okay, do you have another tie on your plate, Chico? I do have a uh, first non-zero three-way tie. From 2007. Let me set this up for you. We have Scott Weiss as the returning champion playing against Jamie Kirby and Anders Martinson. And going into final, Scott has 13,400, and Jamie and Anders are tied at 8,000 apiece. And the final Jeopardy category revealed was women of the 1930s. Here's the clue. One of the men who shot her realized when he saw her body that she'd often waited on him at a cafe in Dallas. I know it. Here we go. This will come to you first. Which woman did you think of? You came up with, who is Bonnie Parker? You're right. She and Clyde Barrow shot in 1934. You double your score to 16,000. Let's go to James Kirby. Wrote down his response rather quickly, and I will assume he got it right. Did he? Yes. Wager. Hello. 8,000. He doubles to 16,000 as we come to Scott Weiss. Scott, did you get Bonnie Parker? It did. What did you risk? Aha! 2,600, 16,000. The first time ever a three-way tie. Enjoy the weekend. You'll all be back with us on Monday. No new players next week. Come see us then. So long. What a deal. I love the reaction on his face. It's like, 
Who's who's face? Scott's or Alex? Scott's face. Right before he's like, he knows. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, yeah. You guys thought this was interesting before. Yeah, check this out. And by yeah, the way, he, drinks are on me. No, 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 no. The drink should be on the other contestants because he gave him a free sixteen thousand dollars. <laughs> really, he did. He could have said sixteen thousand. Oh, yeah. One said, "There you go to both of you." And no, he everybody got sixteen thousand dollars. They should be buying the drinks, not him. Hmm. Yep. That is the first time that's ever happened. The first ever three-way tie, and again, because this was in. 2007, it would be the only three-way tie. Okay, do we have any two-way ties? No, I couldn't find any singular notable two-way ties. There was one person in season six. I don't have video of this, but you remember way back when there was the rule that you had five goes, you had five wins, and then you were done. Well, one person got his five times and at the same time tied with a challenger and that person ended up coming back. That would be uh, Tom Smolich from Sacramento. Ended up winning three games and uh, almost $40,000. Pretty good stuff there. Oh, that's pretty nice. Oh, by the way, unrelated, I'm going through the J archive from season 30, and I find this hilarious. I found the episode where Alex is presented with a Guinness World Record. I forgot the guy who presented him with the Guinness World Records award was Mike Janella. The New York Mets guy? From Reward the Fan, yes. The guy with more teeth than Donny Osmond. <laughs> yes. I'm going to tag Mike Janela and say, hey, Mike Janela, we mentioned the time you appeared on Jeopardy to present Alex with a Guinness World Record. Yep. So, unfortunately, that's all the uh, the non-tiebreaker question ties we could find in our uh, search. But, hey, let's go into all the times we had these sudden death tiebreakers. Oh, but yes, and I have them all. And, again, credit where credit is due. Uh, Some of this was due to the uh, thorough research of one Claire McNear, who I am reasonably certain we should be giving the uh, Pulitzer to. She's the real goat. She's the MVP this year. Yeah. And if you don't know what Claire McNear has done over the past two months, you must have been in a coma or something. Or your name is Mike Richards and you're in denial. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just cold, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and Greg did that in honor of the new You Bet Your Life. Check your local listings. No, you. We don't support it. We don't support it. No, do no, do not watch no, Big Chin. No, do not watch no, Laughing Kevin. No, do not watch any no, of that. No, 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 no. We're serious. Don't no. watch it. Or just don't watch it. Hey, to quote Paul Anka, just don't look. Just don't look. <laughs> it's got Paul Anka's guarantee. Guaranteed void in Guaranteed Tennessee. Guaranteed void in Tennessee. Okay, so the first tiebreaker I have right here from J Archive took place in the first quarterfinal game of the 1992 college championship. This was the first time there was a tie for first place in a tournament match with two players finishing Final Jeopardy with $11,000. Now, the category is American authors. The clue. His first novel was The Torrents of Spring, but most know his next, The Sun Also Rises. Why is that a tiebreaker question? Why is that a tournament tiebreaker question? Yeah. That's... Well, it's the college championship. But still, I mean, okay, you don't know his first novel, but the next one, that gives it away. That's... Yeah, you want to talk about giving it away? That's not really challenging, is what I'm saying. Well, the correct response is, who is Ernest Hemingway? Because of course it is. Oh, 
I did not look at this. Three separate tiebreaker clues had to be played before Chris Montplaisir's. Oh, that's a difficult name to pronounce. Montplaisir. Mont. Oh, okay. What kind of name is that? French. Oh, French, that's probably. It. It's French, bitch. To quote Stephen Colbert. <laughs> Montplaisir. Yes was declared the winner over Ken Kanza, but the first two tiebreakers were edited out of the broadcast game because neither player gave a correct response to either of them. The whole exercise turned to be mute because Ken's score earned him a wild card spot in the semifinals. Neither played to the finals. Oh, Oh my gosh. Oh, and also, Montplaisir is French. What does Montplaisir mean? Mount pleasure. Nice. Good night, everybody. I can't. That's for the French language. I'm not even joking. Yeah, I, I, that wasn't even a joke. I'm just the 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 voice of truth and reason, just saying. Hey, I went on Google Translate to see what plaisir meant, and it said pleasure. And now, it just makes me laugh inside. The you're laughing with your heart, Mike. I'm laughing like a 14 year old after hearing the number 69. Good night, everybody. Nice. All right. The second final game of the 1996 teen tournament to determine the overall winner between Derek Bridges and Amanda Gold. Derek had a high enough score going to Final Jeopardy to wager for the win, but mistakenly wagered for the tie instead. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You said a mouthful, Susan. All right, so the category to determine the 1996 teen tournament between Derek and Amanda. The category, 1995. The clue. On November 1995, Bosnian Peace Accord is named for this city. Ooh, 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 ooh. Me, 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 me. Right I here, right here. I know right it, here. too. I remember. Right I'm going to go with Mike because I know what he's going to say. Yeah, since I'm closer uh, than Chico to it, what's Dayton? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they did, a, I believe, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Yep. Yeah. So Amanda responded correctly and won the 1996 teen tournament. Yep. And it would happen again in the college championship the following year. Yeah, the first semifinal game to determine who between Stephen Bevier and Brian Chan would go on to be a finalist. Both were tied at 6,500 going to Final Jeopardy. So they ended up tying at 13,000 in the category the American Revolution. The clue. On November 15th, 1777, Congress adopted this constitution, but it wasn't ratified by the states until March 1st, 1781. If you listen to our episode on the 4th of July, you know the answer to this. It's the Articles of Confederation. Stephen responded correctly and went on to become the 1997 College Championship second runner-up. I'm Alex Trebek. And that's the way it was. These historic minutes are sponsored each night by Shell. The next tiebreaker occurred during back to school week 2002. And it was won by Mike Scott. No, it's obviously not the baseball player, Mike Scott from the Astros. Is it prison Mike? No, it's not prison Mike. All right. The category literary characters. The clue. Oh, Hogwarts headmaster, he's considered by many to be the greatest wizard alive. Who is Michael Jordan? Greatest wizard. Everybody knows it's Georgie Mirasan. <laughs> no, you're all wrong. It's the not correct... my giants. <laughs> the correct answer is who is Minute Bull? No. Oh. Aww. No. Minute Bull would have been a bullet, not a wizard. Yeah, that's the joke. Oh, shut up. Oh, God. All right. The correct response. Who is Professor Dumbledore? Hey, Chico, do you want to hear a spoiler? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yes. Snape kills Dumbledore. Wow. What year is it? Is it 2005? Well, well, no, it's clearly 2002. Greg said uh, 2002 back to school week. Okay, Mike, who had the lead going to Final Jeopardy with $10,800 to his nearest opponent's 9000 wagered only 7200 playing for the tie rather than the win. So lucky for him, 
he gave the correct response to the tiebreaker clue. Now this uh, next one I love. Oh yeah. This this one just created the BL end all tournament of champion moment up to that point. And this was between Christian Haynes and Celeste Danucci, who both wagered to cover double jeopardy leader Jeff Sperry by a dollar. But Jeff gave an incorrect final response. And since this was for $100,000 at all. Yeah, this is for a tournament spot in the finals. So this would come down to one final clue. And just the whole thing from start to finish was just absolutely incredible up to that point. And uh, Greg, if you will please. Coincidence, but a $1 lead over Jeff. And he picked Ocean's 11, and it's going to cost him Mm -hmm. 10,801. And with a tie, we are going to go to a tiebreaker. Now, we haven't had a tiebreaker in a tournament in about 20 years. The category for this tiebreaker is child's play. Once we reveal the clue and I read it in its entirety, the first player to ring in with the correct response will be a finalist in this tournament of champions. You can't win by default. You must give us a correct response. Here is the clue. A Longfellow poem and a Lillian Hellman play about a girl's boarding school share this timely title. Celeste. What is the children's hour? You're right, and you are a finalist. Way to go. What an exciting finish, and we hope tomorrow's will be the same. We'll see you then, folks. That was something. And Celeste, if I'm not mistaken, went on to win the whole thing. Yes, she did. She won the whole thing. The whole dang thing. Okay. All right. So the next tie, we go to the 2012 team tournament, the last quarterfinal game. Gabriel Gonzalez wagered $8,000 instead of the minimum necessary $7,001 to cover second-place player Evan Eshelman, who apparently wagered $1,200 so as to have had an even $15,000 had he gotten the correct response in Final Jeopardy, but he ended up with $12,600 after his miss. To her misfortune, Gabrielle's score was coincidentally the same after her miss and overwager. So here's the category. In the tiebreaker clue. Literary characters. The clue. Although he doesn't actually appear in 1984, his presence is everywhere on posters, coins, and telescreens. Well, if you watch reality TV, you know what the correct response is. Uh, what is the amazing race? Mike. It's come on, it's who is the amazing race? <laughs> Jeez. Pronouns, people. Pronouns. Seriously, seriously, in all seriousness, it's Big Brother. Yes. This was basically one of those clues that was written for speed. Oh, yes. Evan buzzed in first with the correct response to advance to the semifinals, whereas Gabrielle's score was insufficient enough to earn her a wildcard spot. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, you overwager, and that's what happens. Oh, well. Okay, our next tie is the deciding game of the 2014 teen tournament. And Chico, I think you might have video of this. It is Jeff Shea and Alan Kulik. They both wagered everything in the final, and it's the 2014 teen tournament, and it's right here. Time in many years, a tie which will be broken with a tiebreaker question or a tiebreaker answer. Alan and Jeff, the category is the Civil War. And here is the clue. The battles of Shiloh and Collierville were fought in this state. Jeff. What is Tennessee? You're right. You're the champion, $75,000. Come on out here. Shiloh and Collierville. Congratulations, young man. $75,000. Well played. Who would have thought it would come down to Shiloh? Well, if there is a positive aspect to this, since it's the finals of the tournament, 
Yeah. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the person who missed out on that question still left with $54,000. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's Wait, not a big what? loss. It's no, not a big loss. It's no, a difference of $21,000. Yeah, $21,000. I, I am totally going to uh, just say bravo. College, don't worry about it. Graduate school, don't worry about it. PlayStation 4 in 2014, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. PlayStation 5 in seven years? Don't worry. You might have to worry a bit. You might have to worry about it. You might have to worry a little bit. Okay, so... Good luck finding one at retail. Oh, shit. Hey! I found one at retail. Just saying. I just anyway, said good luck. Good luck at it. Moving on. Moving on. Yeah. Okay, our next tie occurred. Oh, this is the first regular play game tiebreaker after the. So November. this is the first. Uh, this is the first game since the uh, tiebreaker rule was instated. Yes. So returning one day champion Laura McLean tied challenger Sarah Norris after both gave an incorrect response in Final Jeopardy and lost different money amounts wagered. Okay, so I have the clip here. And I have a comment. As soon as we're done with the clip, I can add comments. Okay. Because again, Claire McNear is a deer. That sounds like something from Dr. Seuss. Claire McNear is a deer. It might be. Actually, to me, it sounds like something that was on past the buck back in 1978. Listen carefully. To survive this round, you have to invent a four-word phrase. The first word must be someone's first name. Okay, so far? And the last word must rhyme with that first word. The first word must be someone's... That's a toughie. So think about it. First word must be someone's first name. The last name, uh, last word must rhyme with it. And it must make sense. Dick has a stick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Seven ninety nine, and you and Sarah are tied. So here is your tiebreaker question. <laughs> guys in the middle. The category just... is way back in two thousand seventeen. The answer is her April decision to call a snap parliamentary election proved less than brilliant on June the eighth. Laura. It was May. Theresa May is right. You win the game, and that gives you a two-day total of $19,598. Great finish. Thank you. We'll say goodbye until tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll not have a tiebreaker then. Well, not with that attitude, Alex. <laughs> Just Did you see the look on Laura's face? Oh, thank God. But the best is the guy in the middle, like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I? Top of I? I got am five. I, yeah, I got five dollars. What am I still doing here? <laughs> hey, look at me. I got five dollars. Oh. <laughs> hey, my name's Joey. Five bucks. That's what I got. Oh. I'm no, gonna... They call me Joey Nichols. Oh. Joey Nichols. I'm going to get me a slice of. Brooklyn, hey, pizza. Forget about it. Uh, are we doing our impression of uh, what's his name from Match Game Hollywood? Oh, Eddie Spurs Mecca. Hour? Eddie Mecca. The, the yeah. big ragu. The big ragu. The big... Hey, hey, I got you five dollars right here. <laughs> hey, I got. Hey, they're calling me Charlie Nichols over here. I got the five dollars. Oh, oh. I got your five dollar foot long in my pants. Oh, good night, everybody. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's just cold, Mike. (laughs) I had this comment from Sarah Norris, who was actually one of the people in that tiebreaker. But we spent the last five minutes doing our best or worst at Emeka impersonation. Yeah, let's hear what she had to say. Yeah, this is what she had to say. And again, this is from Claire McNear of The Ringer. 
I have the dubious honor of being the only person to end up in a Jeopardy tiebreaker because of a math-slash-brain error rather than an unavoidable reality. As I was trying to calculate my wager, I could not remember if it was supposed to subtract a dollar or add a dollar at a critical part of the equation. I added what I should have subtracted. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The thing about doing your wager for Jeopardy is that it's not exactly a quiet, calm environment. During my episode, Alex had to do a number of pickups, which were, you know, the short refilled sequences that you don't notice happening. So he was joking around with the production staff, re-recording things and so on. It's very distracting, very high stress. I knew I was in a situation where I should win if I didn't mess up. And I really just could not get my brain to process how to do the wagering math. And we all saw what happened after that. And Claire wrote, a tiebreaker isn't just a tiebreaker, it's the result of a years-long effort by the show's most diehard fans to lift up the hood of the nearly 60-year-old game show in search of analytical certainty. There is, it turns out, a lot to be found, particularly thanks to the exhaustive amount of data generated by the more than 8,000 episodes that have aired since Alex Trebek took over as host in 1984. Many of the show's changes over the years, the Clue crew, the buzzer system, the tournaments, even the elimination of the five-day winnings cap, have been for the benefit of the audience at home. But the tiebreaker? That one's all because of the contestants and their endless quest to play an ever more perfect game of Jeopardy. Talk about nuance, am I right? I know. Well, Chica, while you were looking about that, I found information from the JeopardyFan.com, and I found more information on games that have no winner. By the way, uh, shout out to uh, JeopardyFan.com, Andy Saunders, good people. Yes. So our next 000 tie, which would actually be the second 000 tie in regular play, occurred on April 8th, 1985, still in the first season. Now, this episode is not in the Jeopardy archive, but according to the information... Robert McElwain. Yeah, Robert McElwain was a three-day... also good people. Yeah, it was, uh, it's, you got that information. The returning champion was a three-day champion named Ezra. The final Jeopardy category is the calendar. Oh, not this again. In... <laughs> What is it with the calendar? Okay. Uh, I don't know. It's like every it's like people don't know what a calendar is. I don't know. Okay. In 1984, the cotton, fiesta, orange, rose, and sugar bowls were all played on this date. Now, this is another case of obvious answer is not obvious. What is January 2nd, 1984? And do you know why? Because I'm going to guess that January 1st, which is the date they're normally played, the NFL was playing that day because it was a Sunday. I could look at a calendar here and see what day January 1st, 1984 was. But you're probably right. Yeah, because remember, Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour, there was no Monday episode that week, I believe. Because the next day was the episode where Butch Hortman got the 30 and lost with Hulk Hogan's sister-in-law. Oops. Greg's not wrong about that. Nope. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm not even going to look on the calendar to see if January 1st was a Sunday, but I I would totally believe it. That that would be my explanation. And they didn't want to compete against the NFL on January 1st. That is correct. And that is exactly why they didn't do it. So there you go. And fun fact, the next episode after that day saw the debut of five-time champion Mike Day. Mm-hmm. And, oh, can you believe this? We had a 0-0-0 tie in a Celebrity Jeopardy game. I am shocked. So this was a game between Jane Curtin, Terry Gore, and Naomi Judd. What if That is an interesting... Trio of celebrity contestants right there. Uh, yes, it is. And we would see more of Jade Curtin down the line. Yeah, Not so right. sure about Terry Gar and Naomi Judd. Okay. TV sitcoms is the category. 
For your information, this series that premiered in 1988 is TV's longest-running sitcom still on the air. Oh, now just give it away with the first three words. Mm, yeah. The correct answer, what is Murphy Brown? And everyone bet everything and lost. Ooh. But because... (laughs) That's terrible. Isn't that right, Chuck? That's terrible. Because Jane was leading going into Final Jeopardy, the show gave Jane's charity the $15,000 for first place, which was the U.S. Committee for UNICEF. That's nice. Our next tie is from... June 12th of 1998 in a 0-0-0 tie. Player number three, Marion Orkin, finished with negative $400 and missed Final Jeopardy. So it was between Robert Levy and Steve Sosnick, who finished in the double Jeopardy round, both tied at 7,600. The category, organizations. The Final Jeopardy clue, this women's organization founded in 1890 was chartered by Congress in 1896. I know this one because uh, a friend of mine from both high school and college is a member of this organization. Okay, what is it? It is the Daughters of the American Revolution. Oh, yes. You know what they guessed? The League of Women Voters. Yeah, no. Not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. Just not the right guess. No. Yeah, about 30 years too early. Yeah. All right, our next 0-0-0 tie occurred in the 2013 Teen Tournament Semifinals. And the Final Jeopardy category was Capital Cities. The Final Jeopardy clue, it's crisscrossed by dozens of quote-unquote peace walls that separate its Catholic and Protestant neighborhoods. And the correct answer, what is Belfast? And guess what? Yeah, what they guessed... What is, what is Dublin? Oh, God. Oh, man. Chris Cross, Tori De- Amos, Capital Cities. What is this, MTV? Well, because of this, and because this was a semifinal game, there was a wild card to the finals for this tournament. Mm. Well, but then we get into the most recent, as of September 2021, as we're recording this, from January 18th, 2016, we had a tie between Mike Drummond and Claudia Corriere at $13,800. She's also good people. And Randy Christensen at $6,000. And I have it right here. The final Jeopardy category is state capitals. All right, Randy, we come to you first. This was a tough one. You guys struggled with this immensely. Let's see if you were able to come up with a correct response. You said, what is... You were going for Springfield, and that would have been incorrect. So you risked and lost everything. You're down to zero. Now let's go to Claudia. She had 13,800, was tied for the lead, and she wrote down, what is Austin? No, that too is incorrect. And what did it cost you? Everything. Now we come to Mike Drummond. His response was, what is Atlanta? The president in question in the clue is Bill Clinton. The correct response is Little Little Rock, Rock. Arkansas. Let's see what Mike lost. (laughs) 13,800. We have three players finishing (laughs) with no money. And what that means, ladies and gentlemen, is that tomorrow... We will have no returning champion. We will introduce three new players to Jeopardy. Yeah. So, sorry, folks. See you tomorrow. <laughs> so, Alex Trebek at his most condescending, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the most shade he gives. Sorry. Sorry, folks. That was the same delivery as when that janitor walked in on Frank Drebber and the umpire the naked gun. Do you remember that, Mike? Oh, yes. <laughs> Oops. Sorry, fellas. Now let's get back to the tiebreakers. All right, so now with the tiebreaker clues, we go to the third semifinal game of the 2019 team tournament. 
where quarterfinal winners Ave Gupta and Jackson Jones were tied for the lead with $19,600 going to Final Jeopardy, and both bet everything and scored a correct final response. Avi Jackson, pick up your signaling devices. I will give you the category. I will reveal the clue. The first one to ring in with a correct response will be a finalist. The category is American history. Here is your clue. Types of it you could find in Boston Harbor on December 16th, 1773 included Souchong and Bohi. Avi. What is tea? Tea is right, and you are a finalist. What a finish. Ah, oh, tea. This tea is delicious. Oh, tea is good. And you know it's even better? That was well, was that a semi or a quarter? Uh, it was a third semifinal game. Oh, so it was go hard or go home. Yeah. And Avi went on to win the teen tournament that year. So good on him. Indeed. Okay, so now we go into July 18th, 2019, where we had the second ever regular play game go into a tiebreaker round. So, one-time returning champion, Rowie Hader, had a lock-tie game with 19,600 going into Final Jeopardy against Nathan Kaplan, one of the challengers, who had 9,800. Rowie wagered nothing, Nathan bet everything, both got final correct, and came out tied. We have, for probably the last time this season, a tie, and that means we're going to a tiebreaker clue. We'll give you the category of the first player to ring in with a correct response will win the game. The tiebreaker category is science. Here is the clue. This noble gas is the second lightest element. Nathan. What is helium? Helium is right, and you win the game with 19,600. You get to play again tomorrow to wrap up the week. Congratulations. We'll say goodbye, folks. Until tomorrow. Great finish. Oh, heck, he was so pumped, Nathan. Did you see me raising my hands like a maniac? Yes. Okay. Oh, that was incredible. With apologies to uh, John Davidson. So that was the uh, final tiebreaker in the uh, Trebek era. Yeah. Really sad. Yeah. But we did get a recent tiebreaker. Yep. Last January, in fact, back on January 22nd. And it was during the uh, the period when Ken Jennings was yeah, guesting. Would you believe it was his second day hosting? Yeah, I know. The second day. The final episode of the second week, so. Yeah. That's got to be nuts. Here's Ken on Twitter. Just my second day on the guest hosting job, which would be week two. And this happens. We have the possibility of a super rare Final Jeopardy tie or a super duper rare triple zero finish. Oh, that is possible. Yeah, you're right, because weren't they all tied going into Final Jeopardy? Yes, they were tied. They were all tied going into Final Jeopardy. Actually, no, Brian and Jack were at 18,800. Yeah, wasn't that a head-to-head final? It was a head-to-head final. Maggie was at 10,000, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it is. I got 18,008 for Brian and Jack and 10,000 for Maggie. By the way, Brian, I'm referring to as Brian Chang, who is the current champion at the time at 50,502, Maggie's Maggie Hoska, and Jack Jack Weller, who was the person tied with Brian. So Maggie bet it all, and she finished with zero. So then, of course, you still have the possibility Brian and Jack, who probably obviously wager it all, could also get it wrong, and you have another zero 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 tie. But thankfully, both of them got it right and were tied at 37,600. So hey. now we have right now. a tiebreaker. So I will play the clip right now for you guys. Our tiebreaker category will be history. Now here's how this is going to work. Jack, Brian, pick up your signaling devices. I'm going to read one single clue. Whoever rings in first and responds correctly will win $37,600 and the game. In the category of history, here is your tiebreaker clue. In October 1961, Stalin's body was removed from display in this other man's tomb. Brian. It was Lenin. 
That is correct. Brian Chang, you just won $37,600, and you are a four-time Jeopardy! champion with a total of $88,102. Oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, an interesting thing about this clip, now, chalk it up to this being on the COVID set, where everybody has their own little uh, podium, and they're all six feet apart. This was the first time I've ever seen a Jeopardy clip where you had a split screen with the clue facing. I thought that was pretty badass. Yeah, from a directing standpoint, yes. Yeah. From a pure presentation standpoint, that's pretty badass. I wonder if that's going to be the thing going forward. Please let that thing be the thing going forward. Well, we'll have to find out when... <laughs> hey... <laughs> Earlier today, or whenever you're listening to this, the Jeopardy season premiere happens, and oh, leave the memories alone, Mike Richards, for your one week as host. This whole circus of hosts is going to be its own entry. In the year-end show. Or that. That's cool, too. I don't want to waste time on that. Shouldn't have happened. Anyway. Well, if there's anything we might be able to take out of it in terms of uniqueness, if Matt Amodio wins uh, all five days this week, how many hosts would he have played under? Five? At least five. five. I want to say six. That's what I said, at least five. Possibly six with uh, uh, whoever's going to be taking the reins. Isn't it going to be Mayim after the first week? Yeah, I think it's Mayim. Mayim for at least the first three weeks. Maybe even the first five, because she shot some episodes this week, and this was actually the third week of shows being shot. So really, if Matamodia wins for another month or so, he could conceivably play under possibly seven hosts? Seven? I'm I'm just, again, yeah, think of who hosted since his streak started. Yeah, wouldn't he be up to, I think, seven hosts if he survives for like 40 days? Yeah, he's at, he's at seventeen or eighteen, so that's uh, like what? That's that's four hosts right there. Plus that Matt will be hosts. five. That is four. Yeah, and then obviously uh, Mayim Bialik is six. And if she doesn't uh, last longer than three weeks because of her commitments, there has to be a seventh host. That's right. Because isn't Mayim Bialik's sitcom still on? Tommy Cat is uh, entering its second season. Yeah, it got renewed. Okay. If it did not get renewed, she would more than likely be the new host. Permanently, yeah. Yeah. If. If. Yeah. Very big if. Well, I'll say this. Do you know what? <laughs> hey, guys. Do you know what? <laughs> Do you know what Joey Lawrence would say if Matt got to seven hosts? Whoa. Whoa. I'm not doing it. I, 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 no, 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 no. Whoa. Obvious joke is too obvious. Whoa. I'm sorry. That's fine. Whoa. Uh, But what do we have to say about Jeopardy ties? They, you know what? They always become exciting when they happen. And now with the tiebreaker, they become even more exciting, more dramatic. For the contestants, it's another way of getting to the perfect game of Jeopardy. And for us, mere mortals, it was a thing on TV. Indeed. Well, before you wrap everything up, do you remember what we talked about on the last episode, Greg, uh, regarding eBay prices, right? Oh, yes. Oh, time out, guys. Time out. As we're recording this episode, Chico has not listened to the episode because it has not aired yet. Yeah, that's it's not aired yet. No, I believe that drops tomorrow. Yeah, it'll be up sometime tomorrow. Well, for those who didn't listen last week, um, during eBay Prices Right, I told uh, Greg uh, while we were recording, I said, I'm going to put a, a bid on this, or not necessarily a bid. But I put a best offer on it. 
and if you remember the price of the item was $49.99. I put a best offer of $30 that was immediately rejected. And I put a bid, a follow-up bid of $35 in. And believe it or not, that got accepted. And in my hands, I got uh, today in the mail, a padded envelope, still sealed. You, uh, you guys can probably still see the tape on it. Chico does not know what's in here. Greg does. He's going to find out what the eBay Price is Right item was from last week regarding Saved by the Bell, the college years. All right, hold on. Oop, there we go. Ah, crap. He's got cardboard around all of it. Good thing I have scissors here. I can cut this open well. Hey, hold on. Eric, what do you have to say about Sid and the pair of scissors? What the hell is Sid? Can't find your scissors? Wow! Come on, Sid. Sid, what's the matter, Sid? Can't find your scissors? Oh, yeah. You know I was going to play that joke again. Okay, let me. I got to cut one more side and then I should be able to pop this out. Because he put cardboard around both sides of it, and well, that should be a good thing. There we go. Well, yeah, it is. But the thing is, I didn't really expect it. Okay, so I, I I'll show what this is. I'll keep it in the the cardboard. I still have one side attached to it. So there it is. Double is that? Is that's a Bob Golick. A Bob Golick double standard card. Well, no, Bob Golick and Mike Golick. Oh, Bob Golick and a Mike Golick. Uh-huh. So, yeah, th this is the first item I think any of us have actually bought off of eBay Prices Right, off of eBay during one of our segments. And I got it today. So, yay. And it's a beautiful card. It looks really nice. It, it does look really nice. I have totes jellyfish, Mike. So, yeah, I mean, when Greg said he found this, I'm like, Greg, I'm not even joking. If this card is a reasonable price, I want it. And lo and behold, yeah, 49 was a bit much, but you know what? For 30, I could justify $35. So, yeah, th this is newest addition to my collection. So, mm, there we go. Now, the yes, question, now the question the here. Are you going to yeah. hold on to that or are you going to flip that? No, I'm now, Chico, I, I know you weren't here last week. I know we've talked about this on previous episodes. Um, Mike Golick and Bob Golick grew up in the same town where I live, the same yeah. city. Yeah. And I've never seen Bob Golick. And I, 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 one time, maybe about three years ago, this is definitely before COVID, he did like a personal appearance at like the, the, the suburb next door there barbecue burn off or whatever for labor day or memorial day or fourth of july and he hasn't done any since and uh actually i'm sure i could probably easily find him because at least over the past number of years he did the browns kickoff show on our cbs affiliate uh, on sunday mornings this is bob, uh, bob, bob golick yeah and actually as i mentioned to greg last week uh, Saved by the Bell, the college years was a frequent running joke on that TV show about <laughs> yeah about Bob Golick's money. Oh, you got more residuals from Saved by the Bell, the I college years. I think I remember years. hearing that actually. I, I shared that with you guys a couple of years ago. Yeah, so I, I just thought this was a, a cool uh, little memento, but also like I said, I, I do have a tenuous connection with the Golicks because they live or lived. Or at least Bob Golick lived or lived like a mile and a half or two miles from me. So, yeah, a nice little thing uh, for the collection. So there's the first ever item we've bought from eBay Prices Right. Now we really need to build the museum. Yeah. Well, this was the first afterwards. Because remember, I bought that Cindy Morgan Donruss Americana card before we did Return of the Shaggy Dog. Okay. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, but this is the first one that happened due to one of us finding it for eBay prices, right? And one of us saying, hey, I got to have it. And yeah, I know what you and, mean. And, and you have it now. You have it. That is it, yours. It, it's part of the class collection. Absolutely. Well, uh, assuming we don't have another eBay prices right for this week, which I don't hear anybody clamoring. So nope. let, let's close it up.
Yep. Uh, Just remember, Jeopardy airs the new season today. And Maya Bialik starts her second Reddit host next week. In the meantime, you can listen to all of our episodes at ItWasAThingOnTV.com or wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. Do not forget to like, subscribe, and if you're on YouTube, hit the notification bell. In order to stay up to date on future entries. And as always, five stars only because positive vibes only. But next episode. Oh gosh, next episode. Hey, guys, we're starting the fall season very soon. We are starting the fall season very soon. Yeah. And it's very low key. But back in the 70s and 80s, not so. Oh, definitely not. And we're going to talk about some of those fall TV campaigns. Those songs, those visuals, the parades. The parades, guys. The parades. Think of this like the fall TV version of the uh, show that we did a couple weeks ago about the 1985 Saturday morning uh, premieres on CBS. Yeah. Oh. Oh God! But we're gonna take it to prime time, not not, not daytime. Hey guys, that's gonna be a great episode. But you know what, guys? Before we wrap up, mm-hmm. I got something for you guys. What's that? It's been overdue. Let's do. It was a thing on TV haiku corner. Oh, nice. Oh yes, yes. Oh, that music is so so calming. Ah. Uh. I love that music. I love, yeah. Greg, I love it when you play that music. Just saying. Uh, okay. All right. So I, I have, I came up with, I improvised something for you guys. So here we go. Freestyle. Freestyle. Jeopardy tie games. How often does it happen? Enjoy the weekend. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. It's already past the weekend. What am I talking about? <laughs> well, all right. Well, well there, get some snaps in. Way to go. You did it. We knew you could do it. You did it. Okay. Well, we'll see you on Thursday, folks. Well. Blood. Let's get a spice apart! Good idea! Ah!